Sales is the most lucrative skill in the world, period. The problem is most sales advice out there today is outdated, cheesy, and can even keep you from getting the deals that can make all the difference in your career. This is the No BS Sales School, a podcast for entrepreneurs and salespeople who want to master the skill of selling without all the BS. Listen, if you're like me, you hate doing admin crap. Number one, because you're not good at it. And number two, because you know it's taking you away from the stuff that actually makes you money. So why are you doing it? Do what I did. Go to worksbee.com right now and let them pair you with a real executive assistant. Once I started working with Cheryl at Worksbee, my income went up 40% in one month and my working hours went from 70 down to 40. It's a game changer. Go to workspeed.com right now, book a call, and tell them Walker sent you. If you do, you'll get two extra hours of service for free as a bonus. So if you're ready to finally stop doing the stuff you hate and focus on the stuff that makes you money, go to workspeed.com right now. That's W-O-R-X-B-E-E dot C-O-M. Tell them Walker sent you, and you'll get those two free hours. Welcome to the OBS Sales Podcast. I'm your host, Walker McKay. Today, I've got a special guest, Adrian Harrison. Adrian, let me read you his bio. Adrian is a serial entrepreneur, startup advisor, founder and CEO of SmartCourse.io, an educational technology and digital healthcare startup offering digital solutions like online courses, marketplaces, and a collaborative platform for caregivers of kids with special needs. Adrian coaches and consults hundreds of founders, advising them on building products that matter, finding product market fit, UI, UX design, digital marketing, virtual summits, online course creation, B2B and B2C sales, and growth hacking. He provides an end-to-end solution for aspiring or established entrepreneurs and aspires to run his own venture studio to rival Y Combinator and Tiny Capital. The reason I invited Adrian on the show today, I think I called him for one reason, and we end up figuring out it was a better thing. What I want Adrian, what Adrian I'm going to talk about today is what does it mean to be Gen Z millennial? What actually does motivate them? Because Adrian's done all this shit. He's only like, what are you, 22 now? 23? How old are you? I'm 25. 26, actually. Just oh, shit. Okay. This is better than you've had plenty of time to do all this. So, Adrian, welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for agreeing to talk to me. Yeah, thanks for having me. What the hell does your bio mean in English? (laughs) So, uh, in, in English, it's just that I help early stage startup founders be better founders. Okay. And so, what's your experience with that? Um, so I started a couple of different companies, uh, over, over time. And so, and I've helped, um, through one of my companies, it was an online business consulting firm, dozens of other businesses. Yeah. So I helped those entrepreneurs, you know, um, through that whole process that you, that you just read through, <laughs> but essentially, um, you know, like validating an idea, finding a market for that idea, doing marketing towards that market, and then optimizing the sales process. Got it. So that's You're it. working on what I loved about talking to you to get this thing set up was what a big thinker you are. And so you at eight, I'm going to talk about how you got here, but you are putting on right now or getting ready to put on a conference, an, um, mm-hmm. a virtual conference on um, caregivers of kids with special needs, ADHD specifically. You mind yeah. taking us there for a minute, telling us about that, and then I'm going to back up and see how we got there. 
Yeah, so um, it's called the ADHD Summit. It's presented by Smart Course, which is my ed tech, uh, health tech startup. And so essentially we've got 60 of the world leading experts on ADHD talking at the conference. It's online, it's free from February 1st till February 5th, 2021. Um, and you can watch any of those days sessions it's over five days. Uh, so any of those days sessions for 24 hours from when they get released. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we're super happy with that and, and proud of it because we've basically made, you know, like the best quality uh, content on ADHD in the world accessible to literally anyone with an internet connection. Um, yeah. Pretty awesome. I love that. So what, so, um, so what you're telling, if you're listening to this show today, and I assume you are right on Wednesday, uh, the third that is published, um, you can go, if you're interested in ADHD, if you have a childless ADHD, maybe you are yourself or um, you know somebody who has a child, there's great content that's going to be there. Uh, at the end of the show, we're going to share the, um, the place where you can go get the link to go watch that stuff. You can also buy access to it later on. Um, yeah. So in a subscription service that Adrian, I'll talk about as well. The reason, the initial reason I talked to Adrian was because I thought we we're going to talk about ADHD. And what I found was there was so much more there that was more interesting than ADHD, even though he is an expert on that. Um, tell me something. So you're a Gen Z, you're right on the, on the border of Gen Z millennial. What does that mean? What, where are you, what, what, are, what are Gen Z and what are, what are millennials? What is that, what is that year range, that kind of thing? I don't know, actually. I think that the, I think the range is something like 1985 or something. Anytime after that, you're considered a millennial. Millennial. And then I don't, yeah. And then I don't know what the split is with like Gen Z or, Gen Z. or others. Okay. Um, but uh, what, what, yeah, I mean, what that means is I guess like the category of, uh, of generations. Yeah. So I knew that, but I didn't know the breakdown of the actual year that Gen Z started. I, yeah, for example, I don't know either. Millennial. I don't know either. Yeah. So you told me a story earlier that I'd like for you to go through again, the short version about your education and how that led you to what you're doing today. You mind telling the short version of that story? Yeah. So I'll try to keep it as short as possible, but essentially I grew up in New York city. I went to a French school here. The French school system's way more strict than the American school system. I got into a lot of trouble as a kid from preschool onward because I was super curious. I would ask a lot of questions. And that was seen as disrespectful or, or challenging the system yep. early on. Um, a quick funny story was uh, in my in my preschool year, so like second year of preschool, I uh, you were I had five a crush at on the this time. girl. Not even, I think I was four at the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I <laughs> I had a crush on this girl, and she dared me to cut my hair in class, and I did. <laughs> it was right there on the spot, and uh, the teacher saw that and like took took my, the lock of hair that I cut off, put it in an envelope and sent it to my parents saying, this is what Adrian's up to in the, in the class. Holy cow. We thought you should know. <laughs> so, um, so that was like where it all started. And then, you know, from there I would just get into trouble um, for asking questions. And it wasn't necessarily like, you know, doing anything bad. It was just, um, first of all, having developed a reputation. So I'd get blamed for things that I wasn't even responsible for but also um, because I saw better ways of doing things. And so I'd ask a lot of questions about like why this system was set up in this way, because I wouldn't be able to actually improve it unless I actually knew why that was done the way that it was being done. Let me and stop so, for a second, because I yeah. feel like that is one of the, and I may have read this, I don't know how to make this up, but that's one of the things that millennials slash Gen Z do 
that we and the generation before Generation X that nobody freaking remembers, um, we lived more on tradition and we did right. things because they've been done that way. And sometimes we pushed against that, but it was your generation um, that began to say, so why the hell are we doing that? Which makes right. you guys, quite frankly, often difficult to manage and to, yeah. and to be around. So you stay yeah. at the French school. Tell about your principal. Yeah. So in middle school, I uh, was with a teacher who particularly had it out for me. And so I would ask a question and she wouldn't even wait. She would just send me straight out of the classroom. And I expected my dean to reprimand me for that. But he was actually this really cool, understanding guy who actually wanted to know more about what I thought about the education system and what I thought could be improved and what I thought about the future of the education system. And so we ended up having like really great, interesting conversations about that. And it got 12. to the point... Yeah, I was like around 12 or 11. Amazing. And then I, uh, <laughs> I looked forward to getting sent out of this teacher's classroom so I could go talk to the dean about wow. this stuff. Um, and, and, you know, fast forward many years after that. Well, first of all, I like switched schools after my 10th grade. I went to an American boarding school. So I got to see what the American school system was like completely different, way better fit for me. Um, and then fast forward a couple more years, went to University of St. Andrews in Scotland in the UK. So I got to see what the UK's educational system was like, pros and cons there. Um, the way I sum it up is the French school system wants to put you down so that you want to prove them wrong. And that works well for you know, a very small number of students. And for them, it works great because they're just so angry. They're like, I'll that's show why, you. Yeah, a lot, of the, a lot of the dry. French people you may know now are, are rather difficult to deal with. I can name yeah. a couple, but I won't <laughs> get mad at me, but yes. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and the American school system will pull you up even if you don't care. Uh, and the UK system doesn't really care what you do, but they'll, if you do good, then good for you, right? Like good okay. on you. Yep. Um, and so fast forward a couple more years after that, I was doing a joint honors film studies, philosophy and management degree at University of St. Andrews. As part of the philosophy school, I learned a ton about just how to think, like how to question what I'm doing and why and why things are done certain ways and like what, wh why do people live lives in these certain ways. Um, and in the management school, there was a module called Enterprise and Creativity that basically had us build a startup over the course of a semester. And it was just randomly assigned, you know, you five college students go build something and, uh, and you're going to get graded on it at the end of the semester. And so I came up with this idea for um, this art after hours, which was essentially making like art gallery uh, between like local artists in the school cool. Uh, and then we were going to donate tens of thousands of dollars that we had raised from that to a local charity. Um, and that was our startup project. Yeah. And the way that we got students to come, you know, like <laughs> back to sales and like what Weird. makes uh, what makes effective sales is knowing your market. Our market was college students. What attracts college students? Unlimited alcohol. Yeah, exactly. six of beer, right? <laughs> exactly. And so, <laughs> so that's what we did. We guaranteed unlimited wine if you attended the event. And wow. so we bought like, you know, tons of bottles of wine. We had all these uh, artist students and local artists present their work. Um, and obviously, you know, lots of students came to appreciate the art with some wine and lots of students came to have unlimited wine. Either way, they had to care. pay to attend the event. And yeah, so we, we raised tons of money on that. And then we also took 50% commissions on any uh, artist sales that happened. So that 50 would go to artists, 50 would go to us. Um, and, uh, and it was great. It was a lot of fun, super successful. And, and we, uh, I, I fell in love with the process of entrepreneurship uh, after that. 
And so I knew at that point, um, I was passionate about three things, long-term travel, uh, revolutionizing the education system, and now entrepreneurship. And so I thought, well, I'm just a college student. I don't know how to revolutionize the education system. Yeah, I wouldn't even know where to start with that. Yeah, exactly. I'm only, I'm only yeah. 22. I got to wait till I'm 26 to do that. Yes. <laughs> so I was like, all right, well, I should, I should jump into entrepreneurship because if I do that, then I'll be able to do something about it. I'll learn the skills necessary that I could actually do something about it. And so um, that started very simply with me just, you know, freelancing. I would help my parents, friends with their tech you know, what, like how to use their, their computer or, or stuff like that. And what I started to realize was that these, these uh, friends of my parents were uh, baby boomers that had their own businesses and their businesses were at risk of going obsolete because they uh, looked super outdated, right? They had old websites that looked like 10, yeah. 11 years old. Um, they didn't know how to do any social media marketing or any kind of marketing. Um, and so they were reliant on, um, you know, other freelancers to help their business. And so, you know, I, at the time, um, I mean, I skipped over some steps here, but I had started a nonprofit with a friend of mine uh, after I, I took a gap year from college and uh, that I just taught myself how to build websites. Um, uh, at the time, there were really easy website builders like Squarespace, WordPress, and Wix. And looking at all three of them, I, I saw that Squarespace was the easiest. So I just started with that. And so I would basically after helping my parents' friends with their tech, say, hey, I took a look at your website um, and it looks really old and you know, you're not gonna be able to compete in the future if you don't update that stuff because everyone else is gonna look way better. Yep. So how about I build your website for you? And they loved that obviously because they knew and trusted me already. And so it was easy, easy sale. And um, I you know, started super, super cheap. I built websites for like 200 bucks wow. just because I knew early on I wanted to get, you know, three testimonials of people who absolutely loved me and were willing to rave about me so that I could raise my rates and then get a bigger and yep. bigger clients. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I did. And then from there, you know, after building the website, I was like, okay, cool. You've got a website now. You got to drive traffic to that website. Do you know how to drive traffic to your website? And they're like, no, okay, cool. I can do some social media marketing for you. Cause although I was no expert on social media at the time, I definitely knew more than they did just by virtue of growing up with it. And therefore had a better understanding of Instagram and Facebook and yeah. uh, Twitter and all that. And so I would propose uh, making their LinkedIn profiles and their Twitters and their, and their Facebook pages and all of that. And I would uh, make Can posts. Can I stop for you for a second? Yeah. So far, um, you know, you've shared with us this, you know, kind of stream of consciousness, not really, but your story of who you are. And the, the thing that jumps out at me again now, and it did when we talked the first time was your um, ambition. Right, your um, your drive to work um, and to look for ways to work and make money. What what drives you? Do you know what drives you? I think you know it, it really stems from, and this is something that like I realized um, when I took my gap year because so when I got really into entrepreneurship and I knew that I wanted to revolutionize the education system, which is a super ambitious goal. I was like, yeah, we're going to talk about that. This is, yep. yeah, this is going to take a long time. This is going to take a lot of skills. This is going to take yeah. a lot of money. Right. And so early on, right at that point, when I knew that's what I wanted to do, I was like, well, I better get to it because <laughs> there's going to be a hell of a lot of stuff to do. Right. So, um, so that's where I think it comes from. It's just like, that's my end goal. And in order to reach that end goal, I need to do as much as I possibly can. A, it comes from a passion. 
Yes, absolutely. it comes yeah. from, and that's what drives you is, and that's impressed me again, is that it, it comes from a passion that I want to make a difference in the world, which yeah. is what your generation is reputed to believe. Yeah. So this is like, this is, I was about to bring up that, uh, that like that the exact point that you just brought up about like how that relates to our generation or, or millennials and younger. And it's because they're under such pressure to find out something fulfilling, something that's going to make an impact, something profitable slash, you know, that's going to make them rich. Yeah. Um, and that's impressive to everyone, including themselves. Right. So Got these it. are like four huge metrics that are completely unrealistic for the first job you're going to get outside of college slash first job oh, yeah. ever. You said and fulfilling, the, profitable. What's the next thing? Fulfilling, fulfilling profitable, um, uh, that it's going to make an impact yeah. on the world or like others. And that, um, what was the last thing I said? Was it fun? No, oh. it was, uh, oh, that, uh, that it's going to impress everyone yeah. including right. themselves yeah. right impressed so and socially and status status wise uh, and we also said it wasn't just impress it was not let them down right not right. have your parents go oh my god jimmy's not doing worth a damn he's only doing this right it's it's yeah. a need right. it's, it's a fear of that yes yeah okay so there's like a whole spectrum right there's like on the opposite on like the left end let's say it's you know I need to live up to my parents' expectations. And on the other end, it's, I need to live up to everybody's expectations, ah. um, including my own. And in a lot of cases, these kids are like their own worst self-critic. So it's like, it's like not even attainable until they change their mindset um, because it'll never be good enough. Right. So um, yeah, I mean, it's a really unhealthy way to think about it and, and look at the, at the problem uh, because it's completely unrealistic. And um, that necessitates um, uh, so much work up front and skill uh, upskilling that that's why there are kids who are like just for the hell of it doing a master's or doing a PhD. It and it's really it just to buy them time. It's just so to buy time. So what is it though? Because when you and I talked about this, you said, you know, there, and this was to, to clarify and to add a little more, you said people are afraid they've only got one shot. Yeah. Millennials. And if we, if we blow our one shot, we are done for our lifetime. It's over. It would be a disappointment to ourselves and our family. Where the hell does that come from? That's a great question. I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's in large part social media uh, because you know, everyone is comparing themselves to the highlight reel of everyone yeah. else. And yeah. that highlight reel is completely unrealistic. And it is yeah. depicting people living this su successful financial uh, uh, life that By being an Instagram um, model, right? Exactly. Being an Instagram model, being a an influencer that travels the world nonstop, but also makes tons of money. And so like all of these things, and you know, there's plenty of fake accounts out there as well. Yeah. Uh, but there are they're all real, real stories of that, too. Um, and you know, I, like I was one of those people when I was, um, uh, running echo studio, my online business consulting firm as a digital nomad. So I would like travel the world and run these people's businesses remotely. Um, and I was depicting that on Instagram because that's what, um, uh, was essentially like social proof or proof that this is possible yeah. and, um, et cetera. But that puts you in the same bucket as all the people who are just, you know, like renting a Lamborghini and doing that, <laughs> right? 
Um, and that sucks. So, so yeah, I think like, you know, in large part, it's just, it's a natural human comparison to their peers and thinking, therefore I am not enough unless I can achieve this, but that is a, is an anomaly. It's yeah. just magnified by social media. So um, is it also, is the backside of that, is it also cancel culture? Where, you, you know, you have one shot and if you do one thing wrong, you're freaking done too. Is, are they related, you think, or don't know? I, I haven't thought about that, but it's possible. I mean, it could be that um, it's not like to the same extreme as cancel culture. I don't think that they have like a, a fear that they're going to get canceled. Canceled, so speak, but, right, yeah. Right. I do feel though that they they definitely fear judgment from their peers um like i mean it depends on the circle right i mean sure. i think the vast majority right um who are trying to do something that isn't traditionally considered like a soul-crushing job just for the money like investment banking or something yeah. like that yep. um that they're doing something good or that they're creating impact in some way and if they aren't i think people fear judgment right from that. So when did you tell me how um, this, and I love it, revolutionized the education system? When did that, other than the conversations with the right. middle school, right? tell me how that kind of came on you. What was up with that? Yeah. So um, having built Echo Studio and helped all, all my parents' friends start their own businesses, I thought, okay, there's something here. I want to take this to the next level. And so I started looking for uh, online courses on the subject. And this whole time I had been listening to the Tim Ferriss show, uh, yep. absolutely love that podcast and really like really deeply impacted, changed my life entirely. Um, and what Tim does is he just brings on like the world leading experts in their respective fields and just dissects how they got to where they are. And so I got to learn about tons of interesting subjects that um, um, I became really passionate about, um, like stoicism and biofitness and all these different kinds of things. And one of them was online business. This, this guest came on, his name is Ramit Sethi, and he ran this business. It sounds, it's the scandalous sounding business ever. It's called IWillTeachYouToBeRich.com. Yep. And that put up like every single red flag in my brain. And I thought, okay, well, this is really strange because this person is clearly smart. They know what they're talking about. They've created this business that's very successful, but their name is like the scandalous sounding thing ever. Why would they do that? Um, and so I just dug deeper. I subscribed to his newsletter just to like see what his free content looked like. I looked at his website. Um, I started reading reviews about him. And essentially, like I came across this uh, interview where he basically said, I want my audience to self-select, right? To filter themselves out. If they see past the name to appreciate the content for what it's worth, that's going to be a much better customer for me in the long run because they're not going to be as annoying with like customer support or like whatever they're like bought in right mm -hmm. um, yep. so i don't know if that's a great strategy but that was his strategy works for him clearly yep. it worked for him right um but he had this course called zero to launch and it basically was uh to teach aspiring entrepreneurs to launch their first online business and it was really really uh expensive it was 2400 dollars um and at the time i was like 21 or 20 years old and yep. so I, you know, that was a significant amount of money. And I was like, um, uh, something very strange was happening simultaneously. I was reading his emails and I kept getting the feeling that he just knew who I was yeah. and knew where I was at and yep. knew where I wanted to be. And it's because he did his market research incredibly well. 
and found out the demographics and psychographics that were ideal for these kinds of customers for zero to launch. And he would evince that in his emails to people who are interested in the zero to launch course. And here's what was so uh, important about it all. Because of that, he was able to guarantee a result. He was able to say, hey, I know who you are and where you want to be. I know who you are right now and where you're at. This is your point A. And where you want to be, this is your point B. And I've created this product. It's called Zero to Launch. And it's going to take you from point A to point B. And if it doesn't, you get your money back. And that's when it clicked for me that that is what the education system should look like. Because with an online course, you're speaking to a very specific demographic and psychographic, and you're delivering a very specific result that because of the fact that it's so specific, you can guarantee. And since you're guaranteeing it, you know that you're not wasting money on that education. Right. Whereas contrast that with what's happening today, you've got 18 year olds or younger being asked to make decisions about getting themselves into hundreds of thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars in debt without any guarantee whatsoever of being able to pay that debt back because all they're getting at the end of the day is a piece of paper that says, hey, I went to this school, but you don't need to hire me. I don't need to necessarily get a job. I don't need to pay off this debt. Like right. you have no responsibility in any of that. I just had a that four year party. No, nothing else happens after that. And, and I, my oldest son just got accepted to college and um, the tuition is $65,000 a year. Yeah. Plus beer money. It's and so, plus and beer. plus beer money, forgot that's, that's real money. Right. And so, um, and there's some scholarships and stuff like that involved, but it's a ton of damn money with the idea that, um, I hope he can get a job afterwards. I mean, so that he can get off of my payroll, but how else could I spend, call it 250, $300,000 to launch him? There are lots of ways I could do that. Right. And I'm yep. we're choosing, you know, again, here I go following tradition, right. Choosing to go that path because others have with the belief that that's going to work out well for him. But I can also see somebody else going, shit, if I'm spending 300 grand on my kid, if I'm spending 300 grand on my kid, shit, I could, I could buy the best coaches in the world for that and set him up for life. So, um, so that's, that's interesting. Um, that was the main disconnect. Right. And, and the fact that, um, you know, there are many universities that are charging an insane amount and their degree means like almost nothing. Right. Like, right. um, so there, you know, it's true for certain professions and certain schools, um, but that's it. Like if you want to be a doctor, if you want to be a lawyer, um, and you get into Yale or Harvard or Cornell or whatever, yeah, yeah you're going to make a great network from that. And that's what you're paying for. Don't mistake that, right? Like you could be paying for the curriculum in the law and the, and the, and the health profession as well. But if you're paying for like, you know, an entrepreneurship degree at USC, for example, which costs like an insane amount, um, that makes no sense because yes. you can spend all of that money on just actually trying to be an entrepreneur, taking some online courses that cost a fraction of the price. Um, and and using the rest of for seed back. money. Yeah. And using yeah, seed exactly. money, right? Pay it back. Yeah. yeah. So what kind of advice we've talked around this, what kind of advice would you offer to somebody who is looking to hire a millennial into their company? And they're, they want to have a good experience and let's pretend they hired the right person, but it's beyond that, right? You've got to manage expectations. What are some advice you would give to a, somebody who's hiring a millennial or wants to? This is a, is a tough one. I mean, the, the stakes are so much higher. I mean, you know, at SmartCourse, we've got 
a, a really wonderful team of interns who are volunteering. Um, and then we incentivize them with um, commission-based structures, net profit share, bonuses. And if they're sticking around for the long-term, just like any other early stage startup, uh, equity in the company. Mm -hmm. So um, what they care about is, am I going to be happy here? Mm -hmm. Am I going to be fulfilled here? Mm -hmm. um, does this work matter? Um, is it going to pay the bills? Mm -hmm. um, and if they're not interested in that job specifically for the long term, what skills am I going to acquire here that right. will allow me to get the next job? So right. if they, they, they're looking at all of this from the get-go and they're very, very picky and they're very entitled. This is mm -hmm. like 100% the case yep. across the board. Um, so as, as an employer, my advice would be, what can you do to evince why your organization is going to be more meaningful and more valuable to them than the other organizations Got out it. there? Yep. The, the check, the check, uh, the check at the end of the day is not enough. It's right. like, what is team culture like? What is my flexible schedule going to look like? What's yep. PTO going to look like? Um, what are we doing, right? What is what is the mission that we're going after, right? We, Can they exactly. buy it? I feel like that's as strong as anything. So what yeah. advice would you give to millennials or I guess Gen Z now who are going to get their first job? I My personal advice would be like, don't fall into the same trap as all the other entitled peers that you have um <laughs> because the truth is right like um when i have a decision to make between someone who struck me as a slightly entitled versus someone who hasn't i'm taking the person who isn't at all every yeah, time yep. no matter what even if the entitled person is more skilled yep. reason being especially at an early stage startup um you gotta grind you gotta be able to hustle you yep. can't be complaining about every little thing that you gotta do and um, even though they're very smart, like, you know, millennials and, and younger are like some of the smartest generation yep. ever because of the internet and all that, um, that comes with a, with a, an unhealthy sense of entitlement. So what I would say is stay humble, um, work your ass off, do the research ahead of time. And then, yeah, like everything else is great. Find a company that is actually making an impact because we got to take care of the planet since we're yeah. being forced to take care of this planet that wasn't being taken care of. So now yes. we, we're going to be responsible for that. Um, and, you know, focus on the companies that are actually making the world a better place. All of that's great. Um, and if you can find some that make uh, you financially happy or successful by your definition, even better. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, like everyone has to work if you want yeah. to be able to provide for yourself and your family. Yeah. So also keep in mind, like, this is a job. It's not, summer camp. It's not like yeah. whatever you want it to be, right? Like you're not paying uh, to attend something that's a service for you. You are right. working to be able to provide um, for yourself well, and your family. One of the other pieces of advice you offered that we talked about was this isn't probably not, it's certainly not the last job you're ever going to have, right? Yeah. Just because you take a job as I'm making this up, an insurance agent doesn't mean that 10 years from now, you're going to be an insurance agent because chances are you probably won't be or starting off an XYZ career profession. That shit is going to change. There's not 100%. some, and, and it should change because the world changes. Yeah. yeah. There's like, I mean, the gig economy is growing enormously every single year by so much. I mean, I think there was some crazy projections in the next like maybe five or less years, like half of the workforce would be considered a gig worker wow. in some way. So yeah, like careers are now considered 
in the 18th the 18 month timeline right uh, like do 18 months and yep. then you're going to switch and go somewhere else right interesting so yeah you're going to have like 15 plus careers uh or jobs uh, within certain maybe three or yeah. four or five careers yeah I've, i think i've had five i can't keep a job anywhere so it sort of works myself <laughs> there you go. Yeah. so tell me take a minute because i'm winding up here running out of time tell us about number one tell us about the conference and how people can find out and then also how people could get in touch with you if they wanted to awesome so the conference is the ADHD summit. You can go to smartcourse.io forward slash ADHD dash summit, um, or you can just go to smartcourse.io and you'll see um, links to the summit. Uh, to get in contact with me, I would connect on LinkedIn. That's where I'm most present. Um, my, 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 email, my email inbox is a complete nightmare, so I will not share that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, I love, love interacting with people on LinkedIn. If you're into startups, um, also on the Y Combinator Startup School Forum. Um, and yeah. That's great. And um, I think there's another interesting thing we talked about is, Adrian, you're a big believer in LinkedIn. And what I find is a lot of folks in your generation don't use that. They're on Snapchat and, and um, Instagram and some other things, but it's a, it's a wonder, you told me, it's a wonderful tool that helps you kind of not only um, learn what's going on, but also put your name out there in a professional setting. So yeah. um, another tip is to please use LinkedIn. It can be very 100%. helpful. 100%. Yeah. I mean, people in, in like, I try to convince everyone in my generation to get on it because they're like, no, like, I don't get it. I don't it's want boring. It. Like, Twitter is enough or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, Twitter is great too. If you're an academic and, 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 and for certain industries, it's really great, but LinkedIn is by far the most powerful when it comes to just like seeing the types of people that you want to connect with and being able to like batch that. Like, for example, you know, when we're looking for ADHD coaches, right? All I have to do is search ADHD coaches. And now I see like every single person I can filter by first degree connection. I can filter by second or more. Yep. I mean, it's like, it's so useful. Um, and if you're looking for a job, um, I mean, you want to reach out to your employer beforehand and connect with them on LinkedIn and, and yep. you know, start that relationship as, as, as good as you can. Yep. Hey, you know what? Thank you so much. Let me, um, no BS sales team. I hope you've enjoyed this today. I hope you've gotten a lot from Adrian. He's a super smart guy. He's fun to talk to. Um, and I've learned a ton talking to him. Please check out his conference. If ADHD is something you're interested in, um, I'll have the link in the show notes. Please go there. Also, um, if you are in sales or you're running a sales team or you're the owner of a company and you're thinking to yourself, damn it, our sales team doesn't have it, or we're not sure we're doing the right things, or all of a sudden we have a new competitor in the marketplace and they're kicking our ass, we got to figure out what to do, reach out to me, walker at walkermckay.com. Let's have a quick no BS conversation and see if I'm somebody you can help. Um, go to, uh, yeah, so reach out. Adrian Harrison, thank you so much for taking the time. It's a hugely busy week for you. I appreciate your carving out the time for us. And um, I hope your conference is very successful and a lot of people who are from the NBS Sales School do come and, and watch and participate. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Walker. It was a pleasure. A ton of fun. Thank you.